And I know that other runners have gotten in their own way. And that's essentially what happens is like you will burn yourself out on that one way or another. You will overtrain, which has happened to like most of my friends at some point in their life. Or you will get to the mental breaking point where you can't train anymore because you're devastated. To me, that's like the equivalent of overtraining. It's like mental overtraining. Mm -hmm. So then you start to hate the sport. And that's not what we want in running at all. What's up, guys? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and you are listening to episode nine of Be More Well, a wellness-focused podcast where I talk to different people about their path to wellness. I sit down with health professionals, both physical and mental, musicians, athletes, and most importantly, everyday people just like you who have committed to finding the things that work best for them. So my mission here is to show you the different paths that are out there. No two people are the same, and that means no two paths to wellness are the same. You've got to figure out what's going to work best with your body and mind. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the updates from Be More Well, and find us on social media. On Instagram, we are Be More Well Podcast, and on Twitter, we are just Be More Well. Feel free to DM me or message me. I love to hear from people about what they're thinking about the podcast. Also, let me know if there's something you want me to talk about. I do love suggestions. So let's talk about this week's episode. Have you ever heard someone say something like, I'm going to go take a run to clear my mind? I can't even tell you how many articles I've read about running where the authors talk about using running to relieve stress or clear their head before making a big decision. Some people have even gone so far as to try and scientifically prove that running is good for our minds. And look, science has proven that exercise is good for you. I'm not going to fight science. I'm just not smart enough to do that or drunk enough at the moment to argue with science. Exercise creates new neurons, increases blood flow, and regulates hormones that can make you feel great. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I'm talking about the things that start running through your mind while you're, well, running. Like I said before, so many people talk about how they get mental clarity while they run. Yeah, not this guy. Nope, my head becomes a big old mess when I tie up my sneakers and hit the pavement. So what does that mean? Well, it means I start thinking about everything, like literally everything. I think about how uneven the pavement is in my neighborhood, how beautiful the trees are, how that one neighbor who always aims his sprinkler toward the sidewalk is an ass. But most importantly, I think about my deficiencies. I tear myself apart when I run. I'm never going fast enough. I'm never breathing right. I'm never good enough. It got so bad for me, actually, that I had to give up running. I stopped running for about a year just to try and figure out how to break through these mental blocks. Now, I found out later that I had a lot of health issues that were all compounding on me in a perfect storm, but that's besides the point. I'm still working on getting through my mental block right now. I've had some great days running and some terrible ones, but at least I've come to grips with the fact that it will always be a work in progress, and I'm willing to work on that. You know what's kind of crazy, though? While I always read about how running helps to clear your mind, I've never really talked to anyone who said that. In person, everyone seems to have these stories about how their brains roam into dangerous territory while they're running. One of those people is today's guest. Her name is Allie Nolan. If I'm being totally honest with you, I have absolutely no idea how I connected with Allie. Somehow, I found myself following her on Instagram, and then I messaged her to see if she'd be a part of my podcast. Fast forward a few months, and here we are. We finally had a chance to catch up and talk about her struggle with keeping a clear head while running. So why did I want to talk to Allie? Well, Allie is a writer who's written for Runner's World magazine as well as other publications, but right now she's working on a book about running, which you'll hear more about in the interview. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm going to try to switch something here to uh, yeah, yeah. turn it on to airplane mode, so hopefully I don't get any more uh, interruptions while we're talking. Oh, smart. Because I've realized yeah. that that happens now. I get a lot of work phone calls, and I've been getting 
that problem sometimes during these video chat <laughs> calls. <laughs> That's so obnoxious. I know. I, it seems like nothing is off limits now that people are working from home. Like for me, my job right now is really chill. So it doesn't man like honestly, like if they wanted to get in touch with me and I didn't feel like talking to them, I'd be like, go away. But like my husband, like he is like, constantly getting like just phone calls at the most random hours and i'm like tell everybody to suck it like we are not living like this <laughs> <laughs> actually funny yeah so i my primary job i do a morning radio show so i'm on the air from 5 a.m right. till 10 a.m um but people right. will think that it's like appropriate to call me at 7 p.m you know to ask me questions now and i'm like look i get it we're all at home but my <laughs> job is from like 4 a.m to noon and then we wrap it up i'm <laughs> not at that point right like, come on, like you have to sleep. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, it's wild. How have you been doing there? Like, how's it going in Maryland and stuff? Uh, it's interesting. The, yeah, it's it's going okay. I yeah. mean, I I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag depending on who you ask, which I think is probably the yeah. same thing around the country. Where are you at, by the way? I have no idea where you are. Utah. Utah. So okay. 40 minutes, like 20 miles south of Salt Lake. Okay. All right. I I know nothing about Utah other than I've flown into that airport a couple of times and that's about it. And it's Salt like really City. small. Yeah. 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 And it's like, there's just a lot of space. We're very <laughs> lucky for that right now. <laughs> so what is the vibe like in a place like that? Like I live in the city of Baltimore, so, you know, it's, it's a oh. major U S city. So I mean, where there's people everywhere all the time, but I don't know where you live. Is it a little bit of a different feeling? It's a totally different feeling actually. And like our, we have a really high, like densely populated county for utah but um i don't know like seriously we can go outside and not see people wearing masks you know what i mean because like there's lots and lots of space on the trails yeah. and there's like you can go to a your own mountain basically like and be like oh this is now i don't have to see people for like 24 hours <laughs> it's really really great and so you know i have family i've told you i've got a sister in baltimore i have family in new york and new jersey and um in comparison, like I'm very paranoid also, like and I have not left my house basically since, um, you know, for good reason to not infect other people, like whatever, like this is important, but people here are kind of like, oh, it's not so bad because we don't live with like 40 people in one apartment. And I'm like, actually, right. you're right. Like, that's the truth. <laughs> I've definitely picked up on that. Like people like that live in areas that are more similar to what you're talking about, it, it, the vibe is definitely different because you're just not as crammed in with yeah. people. You know, like I live in a group of row homes. So yes. even though I don't share a home with all those people, I mean, I'm in a building yeah. with, you know, 15 to 20 other people at any given time, you know. Exactly. Yep. I know. It's just different. And even like the differences between like where I live, which is very much like a kind of like suburbia, but like suburbia with like national forest in your backyard um, and Salt Lake, which is like a city, but still like not, they like think they're a city, like they're right. real cute like that, you know, because like they still live in homes and not like apartments it the difference is wild like they're they're all closed down you know like they have stay-at-home orders through their mayor but we don't um super conservative people here so you know freedom and all that right. stuff but people have been um cognizant of you know science which is <laughs> <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> well, Allie, um, this has been a great introduction to our conversation because I keep racking my brain trying to figure out how I came across your name. And I cannot, for the yeah. life of me, figure it out. I don't know if it was an article that you had written that somebody posted that I was like, oh, that's an interesting article. Maybe I'll reach out to yeah. this woman. But I, I cannot... 
I can't figure it out. Like we have no real connections. I don't know your sister. No, we, I, no. I cannot figure this I don't out. Understand. At all. <laughs> but I'm glad we but did. It feels like I've known you for forever. So I. I <laughs> well, you're very easy to talk to. I mean, this is the first time we've actually spoken, but via email, yeah. it works out very well. Um, so I'm glad yeah. that you were able to connect and make this conversation happen because I think you're going to be a wealth of knowledge for anybody that's a runner or not a runner that's going through some of these, uh, what I like to call the mental block issues um, of yeah. running. But before we dive into some of that, I do want to talk a little bit about who you are in general. Maybe that will spark, you know, how we connected in the first place. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I know, I know you run. I know you used to write for Runner's World, but you don't write for Runner's yeah. World anymore. So tell me a little bit about your writing background. Absolutely. So it's really funny. Like I was reading your pre-interview questions. I was like, oh, who am I? Like, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but so I wrote for Runner's World. Before that, um, I was doing a lot of like literary writing and I actually still do that. Um, and that's kind of where I got my start at Runner's World was that I um, published in a small literary journal called Sport Literate. And from there, um, I guess an editor, a great editor at Runner's World who has since retired was like, hey, like, you know, come write for us, learn journalism. And so that was cool because I had to like learn how to write about facts um, <laughs> so and like research and um, and just like the science of running and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so that was very awesome. And I learned a lot. And um I'm hoping to contribute back there um, at some point soon, but I've been like really hyper-focused on writing the book, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and then like I've written for other things. I've written for Garden and Gun um, and about like tacos when I lived in Texas. And then I've written for um, Women's Health about CrossFit. And so while I was at Runner's World, I also did a vlog with my best running friend Hannah and that was just like a really goofy show about running and kind of the crazy stuff that happens to females in running um, but nothing serious so I kind of have run the gamut of writing very very serious <laughs> things about running and life and to um, having cocktails with my best friend and talking about pooping your pants so <laughs> that's my career. Yeah. Well, that's definitely the gamut. That's for sure. Um, so yeah. were you always into athletics? Was that always a big part of your life? And that's, and then you ended up yeah. writing for runner's world. So it's kind of like coming full circle. Is that a good way to describe that? That is full circle is the perfect way to describe that. Um, I was an athlete for as long as I can remember as a, you know, growing up and a kid and I ran cross country and track in high school. Then I went to college, um, and, discovered like drinking and cigarettes and that was so much better than running um but I got to play tennis while smoking I don't know how but that was fine um <laughs> that was cool um uh once I got out of college and I kind of went down that lifestyle of being like a moody writer who drinks and smokes too much um and then I stopped that because that was obnoxious um, <laughs> and I decided to get back into like the health and fitness realizing that running was such a great tool for me to deal with like just like feelings um so that was really really great I started running again I ran like some 5ks and this was when I was in grad school I quit smoking after um running a little bit which because you really just can't tried it does not help um and then I just like kind of took off I get obsessive about things which 
you know, maybe we can discuss a little bit. Um, and I, I got into a half marathon and then I, that's when I applied to runner's world. It was kind of when I was like in the, this half marathon phase. Um, and I was like really feeling it and feeling like how amazing it can be to build up in training. And, um, then I got into runner's world and, went to full distance marathons. So um, since then, I've kind of backed off of the distance thing a little bit and just have been running for pleasure and supplementing it with like a lot of really awesome cross training. So you live in Utah right now. Um, what's the elevation yeah. where you're at? So it's like 5,048 or something like that. Is that I the think. highest that you've so lived elevation wise? It is, yeah. Is that a lived, big transition? I lived at sea level. Yeah, it was actually. Like I couldn't breathe for the first yeah. year. I'd say running. It's really hard. It slows you down. But like when I I went and visited my family on at sea level, I was so fast. It was amazing. <laughs> like I was like, you're <laughs> running like crazy speeds. So I recommend living at elevation to everyone. One of, one of the last half marathons that I did where I actually felt like I had trained and I was ready to go before I had to take a break um, was actually in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And it was the Grand Teton half uh, about three or four years ago now. And that was the one thing I was not prepared for. Like I, I was ready to run the, mar the half marathon. I thought I was going to be good to go and everything was going to be fine. And it was yeah. the elevation destroyed me. I mean, about mile five, I just had nothing yeah. left. I'd, and it was weird. Like I've, I've had asthma my entire life. So not being able to catch my my breath was not something that was weird to me, but that yeah. kind of not being able to catch my breath was a totally different experience. First of all, that sounds like a beautiful marathon, it was but amazing. not, but like not, yeah, <laughs> or half marathon, but like it, it feels like the air is like going through your lungs and like chilling them. And then like you can't, and then they are frozen and you can't breathe anymore. Yep. It's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely an experience. And now I know if I ever do one out there again, that I'm going to be prepared for that. Somehow I'll find a way to prepare. Uh, it's just like, that. you just have to be here for like, they say two weeks, but on it really honestly took me like at least three months to feel like I could breathe. Wow. And, oh, you want to know the other weird thing? So I've, I've played tennis out here a lot. Um, the balls bounce higher here. Oh, okay. And I had no idea. I was like, when the pro told me to like, like just change something, put more spin on it because like everything is going out. And I was like, why? And he was like, physics. So I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> like why? Okay. Physics. Yeah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing when I was doing some research for you, actually right before you called, just to look up to see if there were any articles um, that caught my eye, there was one that came out uh, not too long ago that was about tattoos. And I oh, guess you had yeah. written about, now is this written from your perspective why you won't get a running tattoo? Yes. I didn't read yeah. the article because I literally found it right before you called. So I didn't have time to okay. read the entire thing. But that's something that I've been thinking about. I wanted to do um, a tattoo. I really want to do a half marathon in every state. And I've got seven checked off so far before I had to take my break. Break, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. I was thinking about yeah. getting a tattoo to commemorate that, like get a different tattoo for each one that I check off. But I'm glad I haven't done it yet because I don't know if that's going to realistically be a goal that I can actually finish. <laughs> Fair. The whole premise of that article is that my husband got this like huge tattoo on his thigh and it says one more mile. It's actually like a good tattoo and like it's a good mantra but I was like thinking about it and I was like I don't know I just couldn't do it because everything about 
that is so permanent and like what the whole theme of the whole gist of the article is like the impermanence of like our bodies and like how what happens when they break down and you look at that and like how depressed are you going to be and like honestly like I wrote that article <laughs> when I was really heavy like it was really heavy really thinking about life and death a whole lot and then he got that without me knowing he was going to get it and like three months later I went and I like got a big skull and crossbones like on my like ribs and I was like I don't know why (laughs) people are like do you like that one I'm like yeah I I really I think so I don't know if it was a spite tattoo like (laughs) so it's not like I have anything in against tattoos in general it's like I feel like because for people who run it's so much a part of them if they couldn't like at some point in their life not do it anymore and they had like that daily reminder like it might really suck yeah that makes sense because i I think if i had mine i was going to put mine on my forearm so if i had gotten mine i think it would be a daily reminder of how i wouldn't say that i failed but how i've had some struggles and haven't been able to find my full way out of them yet you know so it'd be this constant mental reminder of wow i'm not where i was at one point in my life, in my running, uh, my running history. So I think you're right. Like, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Like it could just be this negativity that follows you around everywhere you go, or it could be a positivity too, depending, but. It really depends. It depends on you. depends on where you are. It depends on like, yeah, where you are with your running and yeah, in life it's, it, it's weird, but I feel like also that's how all tattoos are. Like you could look at any single one of them and be like, Oh, I love you today. Oh, I hate you today. Like, I don't know. So Maybe just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see once things open back up again, right? We'll see. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You have All plenty right. of time. <laughs> so before we dive into what I really want to talk to you about here, which is sort of the mental aspects of being a runner, I want to talk a little bit about your book because you referenced mm. that already and I want to make sure we bring that up uh, before I forget. Oh, cool. So uh, let's talk about this book that you're working on. What is it called again? It's called Master the Marathon. It's called Master the Marathon. Yeah. And so it's, for women by women basically like it's just like about how you know training for a marathon might be different for women but more importantly than that it's just about getting to race day at your physical peak your mental peak and like all the different components that go into marathon training that aren't running necessarily so what has been really interesting in my journey in writing this is like i actually looking at the stuff that isn't the miles, like really paying attention to nutrition and learning just the deficits that we create as females and um, really paying attention to like, like getting over the mental blocks. Um, That's two huge chapters is just about remedying some of the nonsense that goes in in our brains. Um, And I've done a lot of work with social workers and sports psychologists about it and also like referenced a lot of books for other sports um because i feel like running people just think like oh yeah there are no mental blocks it clears my head and it's like that's not necessarily true it's definitely not true for me and um so that was a really fascinating part of the research and then of course there's like amazing training plans and like some really great workouts in there too and when do we expect this to come out um, it's not until, oh gosh, I'm going to get this wrong. Oh no. Um, spring 2021. Okay. So yeah, there's, or wait, no, I lied. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> fall 2021. <laughs> All right. So you still got about a year and a half before this comes out then. But it's due, like a draft is due May 1st. So I'm in 
like crunch time right now. So that's really exciting for me. Well, yeah. I would like to, uh, I'd like to schedule another interview when the book comes out to talk more about Heck that, yeah. if you wouldn't mind. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I think you already are on my list of people that get a free copy. So. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> I've made the list. Okay. That's all I need to know. <laughs> all right. So we started talking about a little bit here and that is the mental aspect of running and how, you know, like you just said, actually the exact phrase that um, I hear people say so much and it drives me crazy is that running clears your head. You hear that phrase mm -hmm. so much from people, but I have not had that same experience personally. And it's actually a big reason why I had to kind of take a break for a little while because I just got to a point where I was so in my head that I wasn't really able to run. And that became a real problem. And I think through our emails, you talked about how you experienced something similar. Yeah. And I hope you'll tell me like kind of what the thoughts that went through your head and if they're kind of the same. Sure. But when I, you know, like I said, like I got into half marathons and it was like this really amazing feeling to be able to like, have a goal and accomplish it and I was really like proud for that then when I started getting into marathon training and when I started working at runner's world I started having all of these thoughts like first of all I work at runner's world and I should be faster than I am yeah. and I work among all these great people and these experts and like I should be training harder oh and then so that kind of led to this thing where it was like every time I trained I had to train at my best and if I didn't hit my paces then like you know, I was really like just upset about it. Um, and at first it wasn't anything like too crazy. It was just negative, like kind of typical negative self-talk, like, wow, you really should be doing better. Wow. Like what went wrong there? Oh, that workout wasn't your best, you know? And then it kind of spiraled, um, into year. And this was years. This took years to kind of be like, when I ran, it was so devastating because like, it actually was like chipping away at my like self-worth. And mm -hmm. so I was like, wow, like, um, I, I did not, I signed up for a marathon at one point and didn't run it. Um, and that was like, to me, heartbreaking because like, how could I do that? How could I be so, you know, underprepared and like, you know, not have the tenacity and blah, blah, blah. Looking at it, now, a lot of that stemmed from probably high school running where, you know, you are supposed to be hitting your paces. You have a coach yelling at you, maybe not everybody, but I did. And winning was a huge thing. <laughs> you know, we, you, you have to make saves. You can't be second, blah, blah, blah. So that kind of was in there too. Plus, like, I'm a neurotic person. I'm very anxious about 95% of the time. And I have, like, some really perfectionistic lines of thought. What's super interesting is that I probably know like 70% of runners are feel exactly my same way. And I would love to meet those other runners that never have these bad thoughts, right? right? Like, yeah, I want to hang out with you. I want right. to meet you. I want to pick your brain. Tell me exactly how this works for you because I can't figure it out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My story is kind of similar uh, in, in a way. Um, so I was I would never have considered myself a runner, you know, throughout my life, but I always played competitive sports. And then mm -hmm. I find, when you know, if, unless you're a professional athlete, when you get to become an adult, you don't really have that competitive sports outlet quite as much. You know, there's social right. leagues and all that, but like that's really just an excuse to get together and drink beer on a Saturday. So the, the competition isn't quite there as much, but then um, I, I lost some weight and I started running. I got into a couple of five K's and then started doing half marathons. And, and it became this competitive thing that I could get better at myself, you know, so I could always go out and try to beat my time. 
So then I think mm-hmm. I started taking on a little bit too much because I started getting a little obsessive about it. And, you know, flash forward or flashback, depending on how you will look at it, I was training for four half marathons in a six-week period. And I just, I couldn't no. do it anymore. You know, I was going out to run, you know, to do like a an eight-mile training run. And I was running this horrible pace and I would just beat myself up so much about it. And then I would go yeah. home and I'd feel depressed about it. And then I would try to run the next day and I would, it was like the same thing over and over again. So then I was just falling into this deeper hole that I couldn't break out of mentally. And then that's, I also realized, you know, long story short, that I had some physical things that were changing in my body too, that were kind of holding me back. But it became a very big mental game for me and I, I don't understand when the switch was flipped but all of a sudden it, it wasn't a head clearing thing anymore for me it was a head messy you know creating problems <laughs> thing for me. I had such a similar experience where it is like you are just beating yourself up you're berating yourself and you and sometimes you don't even notice it on runs it's like you will look at your watch quickly notice that your pace is off and it it doesn't have to be like this entire like oh, you're the worst. It's just the negative feeling that is associated with the number being off that is enough to trigger like a slow chipping away to, yeah, it really sucks. The other thing that happened to me was, and this might happen to more of our, your neurotic audience was that even though running was sucking so bad and I was like mad at myself all the time about it, I felt that if I didn't run, then I would be even more depressed. And so I had to continue on and run and run and run and run like two times a day sometimes just to make sure that my head was cleared because that's what everybody said it was doing for me, which is crazy. (laughs) Well, you know, I guess I definitely took a different route there. Instead of running, I chose to eat and that became the other problem Um, because then you have a whole different hole that you're trying to dig yourself out of uh, when you start to realize where the issues are. So I guess we all have our coping mechanisms. I probably should have chosen yours. (laughs) No, no. But no, it's it is interesting. Like I like you were talking about the times. You know, at my at my fastest, I was not you know a, a Olympic qualifier runner by any means. But I did a I did a half marathon with an average time of about eight forty five per mile, and I felt so awesome That's about great. that. That was my best one yet. But you know, now I'll go out running, and I might do a ten and a half minute mile, and. I look at the time difference there. That's two minutes per mile different. I mean, that is such a big difference to a runner, but I, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting back to that point, but I am better at recognizing that it's okay. Like that yeah. might be my best for that day. And that is fantastic. Like that's okay yeah. to have that be my best for that day. That's like, a, I think an incredible way to look at it is this is my best is my best today. And then something else that's really interesting. I, have been reading and rereading the inner game of tennis which is possibly the best sports book of all time don't know if you've read it but what i'm trying to do is apply it to running and so what he says in the book is that you know in tennis you have these different strokes and these different techniques and you say like okay and tennis is a very mental game where you can beat yourself up all the time because you're constantly making a mistake right but running you can do the same kind of mental math when you're looking at the watch and you're noticing that you're not running as fast as you should be or oh my goodness I'm two minutes off from my best like blah 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 um what you have to say to yourself instead is okay mind shut up like Mm -hmm. ego go away like no your body knows what's in there your body knows what's to do what to do like my body knows that it's capable of running you know this pace when it wants to if it's in its physical best shape 
right? So like what I've been doing a lot is like I turn off my watch. I run only by time. So like I get to the end and I'm like, oh, I ran for 30 minutes. And guess what? My body ran at the time. It was at the pace and time it wanted to, you know? And so for me, that's been like a huge breakthrough because like I'm focusing more on my breath technique and my, you know, form technique and not being injured and also kind of just like doing mindfulness runs and also just like trusting that my fitness is where it is and that's exactly where I am and it sounds a little new agey and like whatever but like I'm not screaming at myself so I feel <laughs> so great good. about that you know, yeah. but, but that is that to me is the mental aspect of running because I do think that you say it's new agey or you know or hippie-ish or whatever but like I think that is the mental aspect of running because it is just you like you're you're yeah. alone and you're doing a physical physical activity and you're just going to be out there by yourself with only your thoughts so if you can't control all of that that's going to be a problem for you and that's a problem that you and I have both faced over time is that yeah, exactly. And I know that other runners have gotten in their own way. And that's essentially what happens is like you will burn yourself out on that one way or another. You will overtrain, which has happened to like most of my friends at some point in their life. Or you will get to the mental breaking point where you can't train anymore because you're devastated. And that's what, to me, that's like the equivalent of overtraining. It's like mental overtraining. Mm -hmm. So then you start to hate the sport. And that's not what we want in the in running at all. So I think that the there's such great advice and like practical knowledge out there now that is like that the mindfulness stuff and, and like the stopping of negative thoughts and then also recognizing like if running isn't serving you like take a break mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you know like do something else like maybe not eating but like another hobby you know hey, don't really judge my you. choices Allie <laughs> <laughs> listen I my hobby is also eating sometimes so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that the idea of a mindfulness run what does a mindfulness mm -hmm. run look like for you I will just really it's like a noticing of the, your surroundings so if you're like out and running and you kind of sense that your mind might wander, you can just like name five things. So I'll be like, oh, there's a tree, there's a bench, there's a this, you know, but then like getting really detailed and granular, like this type of tree is this or like, you know, I've been like looking up the flowering trees that are happening right now. And that's been really awesome. Um, the other thing is like watching people. I like to notice what shoes they're wearing. So like there's lots of runners around here. Utah is like a super fit state, mm -hmm. which is adorable. And um, so I'll be like, oh, oh, an ultra is based here. That's like that. Um, those foot yeah. shoes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. So I'll like count how many people have ultras that's like pretty um that's pretty entertaining but basically it's like anything to keep your mind off of like keep your mind in the present moment but not necessarily on your performance if that makes sense yeah and i've been hearing a lot of people kind of on both sides of the argument for this too do you listen to anything when you're running or do you go out without headphones in i do not listen to anything now. So I used to listen to music almost all the time when I ran. And I have been trying not to for a few reasons. One is because like hearing your surroundings is also like a really great part of mindfulness. And it, it, it's relaxing to me. Um, I can deal with my own thoughts now. So that's really cool. Um, and also just safety reasons. Mm -hmm. Because running um, by yourself as a female, you don't necessarily want to be. Sure 
you know, trapped in your rap music. I mean, I work out still with um, headphones. Like I love to blast whatever I would need to, to like lift, but like running, I just try to keep it very like, you know, trying to be like meditative or whatever. Yeah, that that's something I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) The more investigating I've done into this, uh, the more I've found that people suggest not listening to anything while you're running because that is a different way to quote unquote clear your mind because now you are alone with that. Like if you have something else going on, you can be distracted by different things. But if it's just you, then you literally have to deal with this. You've got to figure it out. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to say that. And like, it, and like, maybe those people that are super great at using running to clear their mind have like just always used it for that purpose, right? Yeah. To like go out and like be in nature or whatever and not worry about their slits. Like, amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm learning that. That's really cool. But I do. I think that like you know, pumping up with in, you know, with music or whatever, um, or even taking yourself out of it. Like people like use it, a podcast to escape while they're mm-hmm. running or music to escape. And it's like, well, then you're not feeling it. Like you're like, what's kind of like, well, what's the point then? Like, what are you doing it for? And if it's purely fitness, if it's purely some extrinsic goal, like, you know, that's not going to be pleasurable in like a year or so, you know? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense too. Um, something that you talked about a, a minute ago was about how you had signed up for a marathon, I think you said it was, and you didn't end up doing it. Yeah. And that was almost kind of a turning point for you in a way. It was when you realized there was something bigger going on here. It's interesting yeah. because I did something similar last year. I, I There's one half marathon I do every year. It was the first half marathon I ever did, and I've done it every year for the last seven years. This year it was canceled uh, because of the coronavirus situation. Um, yeah. But last year I signed up for for it. It's it's in Nashville, so my wife and I travel to go to it. But we got there and we decided to do the 5K instead of the half marathon. And yeah, there was a piece of me while making that decision that was heartbroken because I had never not done the half marathon there. It was my annual thing. But then the other part of me said, you know what? That was the right decision because had I have tried to do it, I would have destroyed my body. And I would have been A, miserable for the entire length of the trip that we were there. And B, I probably would have injured myself. So it was actually kind of a a good mental clarity that I had because I realized this was the right decision and now I can focus on maybe next year getting back into it yes that's I I love that and I think that's so interesting because I just was writing about writing about the taper period right for a marathon and I thought I remember this story for my first marathon and it was like I was two weeks out from Marine Corps I was so excited um, I had jumped into a training plan way too fast, too soon. I was doing um, way too many workouts, way too fast of paces, everything wrong, basically, but still thinking that you're doing everything right. And my body just was unprepared. So about like, I'd say five days before the marathon, I was on a little two miler slow jog and I felt like this crunch in my foot. Oh. And I was like, what is that? I was horrified. And I went to in a coworker at Ryan's World, embarrassed, crying. And I was like, I think I broke my foot. And she like laughed at me and was like, I'm sure you're just imagining this. And I was like, okay, she got me in to see a doctor. I saw the doctor and he like was like, okay, well, we can't like a diagnosis isn't going to help you at this point. Like he's like, we can tape it. 
you can take this steroid or whatever. Um, or you could recognize that like Philly is two weeks away. <laughs> like, you know, like your fitness isn't going to change if you want to delay, like, you know, and I was like, no, you know, I was so stubborn. The, I was like, the race is two days away at this point. Like take my stupid foot. Like, let's do this. Um, and I was miserable. I mean, like the first half of the race was fine because adrenaline but like I came in my foot was swollen I could hardly get my shoe off of it I ended up not knowing what was wrong with it the foot still hurts to this day right so it's like definitely probably something that needed to heal a little bit but that next time that I had the race and I was like not training well I was just running randomly so not like sticking to any sort of plan um, when race week approached and I realized like, oh boy, I'm really unprepared. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. And it was heartbreaking. And I was like really, really upset. But at the same time, I was like, that was the right decision. That was the right decision for my mind, for my body, like for my health and just like for my stress level, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it was everything. And it was like this freeing feeling where it's like, you don't have to be enslaved to this meter you know this pressure that you have signed yourself up for like nobody cares if you don't cross the finish line it's a (laughs) (laughs) non-issue i used to tell some people that i would run with once in a while when that when i would tell they were getting all stressed out and anxious about going out for you know for a half marathon or going out for a run And, and, and that happens to me a lot too so maybe i was trying to project but i would i would tell them look you're not gonna win so don't stress yourself out about it. You're going out for a nice day of running. Like the Grand Teton half marathon that I was in, I was out there with a lot of people that I didn't really know. I knew one person that invited me to join their group. Uh, and we were just having a big conversation about it. And some of them were really nervous. And I was like, you know what? Don't be nervous because you are not going to be the one that wins this. We're just going to go run together and just have a good day. I ended up coming in last out of our group because I was not ready for the altitude. As we talked about earlier, they were all from Colorado. So they were like good to go uh, with the altitude. Right. So they all they all crushed me. So I guess I guess I looked kind of silly in that matter. But uh, but that was the kind of way that I would get through some of that nervousness. I'd be like, I, I'm just going to go have a day like I'm going to go run through this city. Yeah. And that was part of my decision to try to run a half marathon in, in all 50 states, because I thought it was a great way to travel and to see a place that I'd never seen before, which is why, you know, Wyoming came up. I did one in Idaho. I did one in California. Um, and it just it was cool to go to the city I've never been before and just go for it and have a good time. You know, it didn't matter if I won because I wasn't going to win, but it just mattered that I enjoyed myself and got a new experience out of it. That's the perfect way to look at it. Right. And two things about like the pre-racing anxiety stuff is one, the sports psychologists I've spoken to say like, it's perfectly normal to be nervous, to be anxious, like before the race. And like, you want to channel that, like kind of switch it to say like, Oh, I'm so nervous. You say I'm so excited. Right. So it's just like this weird, like switch. And then you're like, yay. And then here's something that's like really awesome that I realized I would get like that weird nerd. I couldn't really put my finger on it. And, um, my coach at one time, at some point I was like saying like, Oh, I'm so nervous. I'm like, so freaked out. Like, you know, kind of going through all these what if things. And he was like, what, but what are you scared of? Like, what actually is this fear? And it's like, if you can identify that and kind of crush it, you'll realize like, it's so irrational. 
exceptional. Like, you know, like you said, you're not going to win. You're not going to die. Usually Uh, you're not, you, if you come in last, like who cares? Like, right. Right. Like that's nobody, nobody cares. So if you kind of like go through all of these, what ifs and realize like there's really nothing to be afraid of and what you really want to do is enjoy it like you said like and if you're not enjoying it then what's the point of doing it right exactly you mentioned another great word there coach and i know for some people <laughs> financially having a coach is not something that is really in the cards for them but uh, because every, i mean mm-hmm. coaches do cost some money but would you recommend people getting a coach um when it comes to yes. running and training oh my goodness like 1000 percent, yes um and there's people are always really put off by having to pay for anything in running like runners are cheap uh, but you wouldn't do any other sport without an expert telling you what to do like sure. if you think about it like you don't even i mean yeah you can go to the gym but you're not going to make your super gains without like a personal trainer to be honest um a running coach can not only direct you in your running you know they can they are great mental coaches they are great um strength coaches a lot of them and some of them are cheap. <laughs> like, I mean, they are, they don't charge a lot. Um, and I, I think that people can do research and really find somebody that is a friend and um, can help them out. And like, that's a, a huge part in writing this book was speaking to these various female coaches who are so amazing and who know the science behind like what the training does, which is like very, to me, very important to know. Um, and they really don't charge a lot of money and they like will do it for you digitally. Like you can meet with them over FaceTime. It's amazing. Um, and I just think that having somebody intimately know your training plan, your training style and what you're going through and watching your performance, plus your heart rate, you know, and everything that you're running and you don't have to pay attention to any of those numbers. So you just enjoy the act of running and they will tell you what to do. And I do, I really think, you can make you can negotiate it's fine like (laughs) I really really do recommend it for people and every training plan should be tailored right like uh, my my book will have foundational training plans but like really you need somebody that's gonna like be like oh this is your body type and this is your you know PR and like this is what I'm gonna tailor it to you I'm very passionate about this because I do think that running coaches don't get enough um, credit and they don't maybe get hired enough it, it, by people who, you know, are running at an intermediate or beginner level. Right. But yeah. like, so only advanced runners are like, Oh, I should invest in a running coach. Like, no, like invest in yourself early on because like you'll improve so much faster. That is great, great advice. And you know what? I am looking forward to reading your book. I know you mentioned earlier that it's it's for women by women, basically, but I still think that there's going to be a lot of information in there for everyone to get out of this. There totally is. I mean, like, <laughs> we are not totally different species, so. <laughs> uh, again, what's the name of the book again? It's Master of the Marathon. Now, I, I know we have to wait until fall of 2021 for this yeah. book, uh, but I am very excited. And I really want your promise again that we're going to talk about it when it comes out. We will totally talk about it. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, before I let you go, Allie, because I don't want to hold you up all day. What is the, uh, the the favorite race you've done and your least favorite race that you've done? Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. So my favorite race was the evil, it's spelled E-V-L, half marathon, and that's in upstate New York somewhere. Um, It is a small rolling course in like a little south of Buffalo, maybe, western New York. Oh, no. I don't know. Look up (laughs) E-V-L, half marathon. (laughs) It's like a Halloween half marathon. Oh, nice. Adorable. 
least favorite race. That's so easy. Um, am I going to get sued by rock and roll? Maybe. Um, it was okay. Good. <laughs> the rock and roll 5k in Dallas. It was, first of all, Dallas is like, a just not my favorite place on earth. So that's fine. But like, it was just, you ran down a highway and there was one band and I was really sad about it. So. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> rock and roll, there should be a lot of stuff going on. What's that all There about? was nothing. It was so bad. And also it was like humid. And I was just dying. The whole thing was just horrible. Also, my husband was like, I could see him in front of me the entire time, but I couldn't catch up to him. So that might have been possibly what was bothering me. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Allie, uh, is there anywhere that you would like to send people to find more about you uh, at all? Um, they can, people can follow me on Instagram at Allie Allie Knoll okay. um, for, for pictures of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I love that. For pictures of my dog, go to my personal Instagram. <laughs> That's good. I really, like, I have to, like, make a, web, like, I have a website, but I'm like, oh, I really have to update that. That's, like, literally from 2008. Like, that's not great. <laughs> Time to step up the game. You got a book coming out, Allie. I know, man. Like, I'm really bad at the PR stuff. I'm like, I hired somebody to do my social media for like two weeks. And then I was like, oh, God, I ran out of pictures. <laughs> like, I have nothing. That's actually funny. That's my my biggest struggle with my podcast is the social media and the promotion of it. Like, I love doing the yeah, conversations, is- editing it. All that stuff is great. Yeah. It's so easy. But when it comes to actually getting it out there and trying to get new listeners, that's where I'm having my my biggest struggles. Well, Allie Nolan, I can't wait to read the book. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Obviously, a lot of us have a lot of free time right now on our hands, but I appreciate you sharing some of that with us on the Be More Well podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And yes, I have a ton of free time. So if you want to do this again, let's just like talk all the time. <laughs> we just might have to do that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Thank you, as always, for taking some time to listen to Be More Well. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be updated on future episodes and follow us on social media. On Instagram, we are Be More Well Podcast. And on Twitter, it's just Be More Well. Thanks. And I'll talk to you guys next time.